0: Well, here it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness, and it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sabalero, and with me, back from the EMS World Tour, he is the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. The ladies know he's the man with the power,
1: Kelly Grayson, KG. Welcome back. I'm I'm glad to be back. I'm I'm still on the the world tour. Only it's not the EMS world tour. It's the it's the book promotion world tour right now. So I'm um, still on the road. How's that, and, how's and that going? Back. You got a few books
0: out now. How is how's that Kindred coming out? If you guys haven't bought Kindred, check it out. What a great
1: read it is. And I got to tell you, I was a little bit uh, shocked that it was so good. I'm I'm still waiting for your book report to uh, to show up on my Amazon. I'm reviews, still waiting man. for the money you're going to pay me to put that book report on. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's going well. Sales have been good brisk. Um, the the reviews really help. Uh, so the more people write reviews, the higher it moves in Amazon sales algor- algorithms so uh we're, we're we're pimping that pretty hard and I'm going to literary cons and and uh, I'll be at the world Steampunk Expo in in uh Lafayette, Louisiana in a couple months uh, promoting it and doing a couple panels there and it's gonna be pretty cool. I'll actually be in Lafayette so. next week as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah, well, you so, ought to come by and visit me and take me out to dinner. That's what I want to do.
0: And um so are you close to Lafayette? <laughs> uh, about an hour away. Yeah, I'm not driving an hour to see you. But um <laughs> so it but the book left an opening. Th- there's going to be more than one, right? I mean Oh yeah, there it, will be a trilogy. it, it kind of leads you to say what the, how is this ending this way kind of thing. You know, will, I don't want to give will, it I don't want to give it away, yeah. but uh,
1: it will at least be a trilogy if not a series.
0: So yeah. we'll see. Hey, what was that like for you to write something like that? Because, I mean, tell people what it's about. But if you don't know what Kindred is about, give them them a little bit of background. But I know this is not what we're going to talk about today. But one of the things that I always find, and I I like to interview authors, is how did you get the inspiration? But this really goes against the grain. It's not EMS. This isn't an EMS story. It's, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, tell them what it's about.
1: Well, um, I I had always back in my, uh, when I was blogging heavily, I I wrote a couple of stories about some dude and everybody in EMS and public safety knows who some dude is. Um, And I had fun with it. And uh, I thought, man, you know, there should be an origin story for some dude. And there should also be a, uh, he should have an adversary. So I wrote, uh, uh, I wrote this, this little, I started off with the, the prologue and that sat, on the back burner for a couple, three years until I, I decided, look, if I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to earn a living writing, I've got to actually write. So I sat down and, and finished it up. And the, the, uh, the gist of the story is that some dude is actually a, an immortal, uh, fallen angel, uh, a demon escaped from hell. And there is an archangel in pursuit of him. And, uh, the, the demon can inhabit whoever he wants, uh, and and wreak all manner of havoc, you know. Some dude beat up uh, the guy standing on the street corner mining his own business, and some dude sold him the drugs, and some dude uh, uh you know did all these things. But the uh he can inhabit whoever he wants, but his adversary has rules he has to follow, and he can only inhabit a host with that host's tacit permission. So um they they battle throughout time. I couldn't I couldn't decide whether I wanted to write a Western or a detective noir or a uh, modern medical thriller so uh, i i wrote all three
0: yeah it's a very good and it's a great story and you know it gives yeah. you the opportunity to just to sit back and relax i mean we don't always get yeah. the yeah. opportunity to sit back and relax so i mean but cheers to you man and uh, i will write that review no money needed it'll be my honor to do that you all right
1: man i don't care what they've been saying about you
0: but in the uh but in the next one, I want a little, I want a little, uh, something, a little you cameo
1: mean, or something. Yeah,
0: exactly, man. Give me a little something.
1: Give me a little. You will, I, I, okay. That's the deal. You will die a gory, but memorable death in the next, uh, in the next novel. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for playing. And then this way I could play myself. It never goes to the movie. There I'm you about go. That.
0: You there you about go. that. So Kelly, we did have a topic picked out today, but as I mentioned, you've been on the EMS world tour. Yeah. Uh, for the past couple weeks. And uh, of course, uh, we've been mesmerized by the, you know, what's going on in Illinois with the uh, two paramedics that were charged. And uh, we were going to talk about something else, but you didn't have the opportunity to weigh in. And it would be good to kind of hear your thoughts and opinions and uh, maybe talk about professionalism today. Maybe talk about apathy today. Maybe talk about every single call that we run on could be the one that's in the news. Right. Yeah. So, but your initial
1: thought—I mean, what 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 did you think about when it came out? Uh, Disgusted. Uh, I was sickened. You know, I—I I always uh, you hesitate to judge because you weren't there. But the body cam video from the police officer is pretty unequivocal. Uh, the The EMT who walked in had absolutely no interest in in even being kind to the patient or even professional. No assessment done her partner stayed outside with the with the stretcher. I don't know what EMS crew does that when they only have one patient and plenty of help. Um but it it occurred to me that apathy and burnout do not occur in a vacuum. Uh they didn't wake up that morning and decide to be the worst ambulance providers ever. Uh the worst EMS providers ever. Um this is something that that is not a new attitude for them. Um and having been through burnout myself and and not been at my best on on some EMS calls uh, and behaved in in fashion that that I was uh, later regretful of. Uh, I kind of have some sympathy for him as well, but I can tell I can certainly say that uh, um, if they did that on camera, they've been in that situation before or they've been in that state of mind before, and it's not new. And I don't think you can put all the blame on just them, you know. How is it as burnout, crispy, non-customer service oriented, apathetic, just plain old apathetic as they are, how is it that they're still working on an ambulance? And the only answer I can think of is is they need meat in the seat like every other EMS system in the country. So uh, I think it's a broader um, commentary on on our profession than just one small EMS provider in, in Springfield, Illinois. You
0: know, one of the things that I was thinking about as you were talking, because I wasn't really paying attention. But one of of the things you never do—that's right. But it's even different. I'm looking at it's the part in your hair that's really (laughs) kind of. But you know, you made the comment, uh, you know, that because we've said on on this show, don't say, don't write anything you wouldn't want to see in the paper. Don't say anything you wouldn't want to hear on the news, and you know, they were wearing body cams, and it didn't make a difference of how they were going to act, right? But I think that this goes beyond. I think it goes to the point of when does that one call wind up to be national news, right? And we yeah. have to remember that every time that we get into that ambulance and every time we go do our job, that's the one call that could end up on the news, right? And, yeah. and I made the comment when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with uh, Doug and Steve that where the heck is Ferguson, Missouri? You know, where the heck is these, these places, Ferguson, Missouri, and, and, you know, being charged with murder and, and, yeah. you know, it, it's the one call. But when does yeah. this? When does that happen for all, for any of us? And we've got to remember that every time we get in the ambulance, and every time that we go to somebody's house, and every time that we interact with somebody, our poor decisions could lead us to national news. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that that's something that's we have to be able to remember. You know, one of the things I'm also wondering about, Kelly, is I think that, that burnout in EMS and stress in EMS. And uh, I think it's pretty prevalent. Mm And I don't think that it's just one area in Illinois. But as I read the comments that happen, uh, that are happening on EMS1, because they keep posting the stories, and I'm reading every single comment, 200 comments, 400, I'm reading them all, and everybody's disgusted, and everybody's appalled, and everybody has comments to say against people. But I'm wondering, is our career field that pristine that it's only these two people? You know, and it makes me wonder that are we really being honest with ourselves of how we treat people? Because I got to tell you, I was like you. I don't know that I had burnout, but I was just mean sometimes to people in my earlier EMS career. Three o'clock in the morning, you're calling me for something that you've had for two weeks. What are you crazy? You know, what what is this about? You know what I mean? And uh, but it's until you learn the honor of what you're doing that you finally change the error of your ways to say, Maybe I'm doing this the wrong way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but where does this apathy come from? Maybe we, we start with that. I don't know if we want to spend time talking about this specific case, and we're going to let them be judged, and whatever happens is what's going to happen. But how do we keep this from happening? Where does this apathy come from? And then what's my responsibility as a leader to make sure that I'm not putting you out on the street
1: You know, just because I need you there? Well, I'll tell you one thing that's not going to fix it, and it's more employee appreciation pizza parties. No one gives a crap. Uh, they don't want your pizza. They want respect. They want a better working environment. Uh, they want good equipment to work kind, with. And they want a living kind of wage. What kind of pizza? I don't care. No, it I doesn't don't mean... care. And look at me. You can tell I like pizza. So um, I really don't care in this situation. Uh, that's something that's not going to be fixed uh, very easily. How many times have I said on this very show that you can work somewhere and be paid well and treated right. poorly and stay or you can be treated well and paid poorly and stay, but you cannot do both at the right. same time. And that crew did not wake up that morning and decide to be crappy EMTs. That was, make no mistake, what we saw in that body cam video was was depraved indifference. Uh, and it's worthy of, of criminal prosecution. And, and in Illinois, it does not require uh, premeditation and malice forethought. To, to be charged with first-degree murder. So, I mean, that was an appropriate charge according to Illinois uh, statutes. But it, it speaks to a bigger problem in that, that the burnout and the, the operational tempo ever since it was going on before COVID, COVID made it much, much worse. Uh, and the fact that, that reimbursement fee schedules and whatnot have not kept pace with the cost of doing a, a, a providing care, and our revenue pool for for pay uh, for pay and benefits is so small um, that uh, people are are not willing to to work in EMS. And you saw the result of two people that obviously don't care about their jobs anymore, and they're out there rendering patient care. The thing is, is as I can't condemn them as fully as I might otherwise, I can't be righteously indignant because hell, I've been there too, not to that extent. But just last week, uh, just last week, I've on social media about a uh, valued repeat customer that um, uh, I was very frustrated with. I didn't mention any specific details, but, uh, you know, I made mention of the fact that if you don't care about your health and doing what's necessary to to manage your chronic problem, then why should I? You know, uh, the first three or four times I, I took this person to the hospital, I gave them appropriate treatment and, uh, and pain medication and whatnot. And and after the 15th or 16th time, you know, why, why put out that kind of effort? Uh, and that was the wrong thing to say. And that was the wrong attitude to take. And luckily, you know, and I, I have to give her credit. Uh, my Jiminy Cricket, uh, called me up and said, take that damn post down. Uh, that's not you, that's not the image you want to project. And she was right. Uh uh, there's nothing wrong with venting, but venting in public in a way that that demeans you and and your patients is is wrong. And so I took the post down. Uh, so I can see why they could be in that kind of situation, but I'm uh, you know. Chris, you ever, you ever think back and go, man, the things I said in front of that cop with his body camera running. God, I hope that never makes it onto the news. Yeah. Um, now I've never, uh, things I've said, I've felt that way about, but I never got in the back of the ambulance and, mm-hmm. and treated the patient, uh, with any anything less than my best uh but there were you know there were the private eye rolls and the and knowing winks and nods uh that we make sometimes when we know or when we think a patient's complaint is bs right. um the the problem being is that when those things go wrong and they do go wrong you don't just represent yourself and your agency you represent the entirety of ems and that's that's what we need to be aware of just not easy to to remain aware of that when you're in the midst of burnout
0: yeah you know while you were talking again i wasn't paying attention to it at all you never do but i did pull up and that's what i was looking for while you were talking i mean just a couple days ago um the uh the case up in denver with elijah wood i'm sorry elijah mclean my my i apologize
1: what Um, what happened to frodo baggins (laughs) but uh
0: you know they were indicted by a grand jury on manslaughter criminally negligent homicide uh in the death of elijah mclean he died um after they were given ketamine and so on and so forth and when we think about this i mean this is becoming standard now that when we make the decisions that we are responsible for we could be on the other side of some legal action that is going to be serious for us as providers and we have to remember that you know the job that we do is very important we're not getting paid tons of money for Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times we do it because we have a calling to do it but it's not worth having to go to jail for and we've got to remember just doing the right thing keeps us from uh, being in a situation where um, we're going to be indicted for, you know, you know, in this case, in Denver, of criminally negligent homicide uh, and manslaughter, right? Yeah. Or in the case of uh, Illinois, um you know, first degree murder. But you know I, we have to think about this from a professionalism standpoint. Mm-hmm. When we think about building our professional reputation, It's built on who we are as individuals, who we are as professionals. And, you know, Kelly, I've said before that just because your boss or your agency or, you know, they don't think about you and they don't treat you the right way doesn't mean they take away from who you are as a professional and who you need to be as a professional. And what worries me is that more and more we're going to find, uh, you know, these calls that we're going to think are benign that could turn into something that could ruin our lives forever and regardless of what happens in the case in illinois what regardless of what happens in the case in denver these people are tagged with this for the rest of their life Mm -hmm. and uh, i could tell you that probably these people don't work in public safety anymore they don't work on trucks anymore if they stay out of jail and if it was the one call that makes a difference right and yeah. we've got to remember to define our professionalism about who we are as professionals and who we need to carry with us for the rest of our life, right? And uh, one call here in Denver, one call here in Illinois is going to change the lives of people, not just the lives of the two em the the two paramedics in Illinois, but the family who lost their family members. Yeah, they're affected as well, and. I don't know what that answer is, man. But as a leader, what am I supposed to do for my people to ensure that they're doing the right things and staying out of trouble?
1: I I think that, you know, part of that reflects culture. Um, and I don't want to cast aspersions on on a company that I have no familiarity with. But once again, that kind of attitude displayed does not occur in a vacuum. There are, they, they, they personally have probably done something like that before maybe not to that extent but been less than caring and less than professional uh before uh and if it goes on with with that one crew is is it possible it goes on with other crews is it possible it's an endemic thing at that particular agency we don't know but what we do know is is that uh you're not going to fix that by coming down on one particular crew and and ignoring the the elephant in the room which is how is this overlooked in our agency culture? Yeah. Uh, Nancy, Nancy, t- you know her favorite Peter Drucker quote is "Culture eats strategy for breakfast." Yeah. And you can have a you can have a wonderful, uh, noble mission statement, and and you can do all the say all the right things, but if your supervisor, your management on down, don't display uh, the the culture that the agency should embody, the people in the trucks are not going to either.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things. When you think about vision, that's where we're going. When we think about strategy, that's how we're going to reach the vision. And culture is the behavior of the organization as we go on and reach the vision. And if the agency isn't going to have good behavior, you're never going to reach your vision. So I think that's a good point. You know, Kelly, what do you think is the answer to um, how we handle our partners in these situations because i you and i have been paramedics for a long time and we have Mm -hmm. conversations with our partners and we say look this is the way that we're going to work together this is the way that we're going to deal together this is the way that we're going to make sure that we get home safe at the end of the night when do we break from the loyalty of our partner to say that's not behavior we're going to have And I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to talk to the supervisor about this because I don't know that we're, you know, we kind of follow the leads of our our police brethren that we protect, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm all for protecting my partner and I'm all for ensuring that my partner is going to get home at the end of the night and they're going to be safe. And but when do I break from that loyalty to say uh, what you did was criminal or what you did was was neglect or what you did was how do we balance that man do we really have to get to that or i think i'm gonna i misspoke i think we really have to get to the point that
1: you're gonna go you're gonna go alone man yeah well you you said it right there criminal neglect willful those things get reported right then um you know it's all fine to say what happens on the truck stays on the truck we know that's not true we know that's not true and we know that you can't, that attitude can't be uh, all encompassing. Uh, I tell my partners and, and everyone I work with for the first time is if I have a problem with you, I'm going to address it with you first within reason. But that's about attitude, behavior, lack of skills uh, or, or, or whatever, uh, a critique. But if there's something wrong with your, with your outlook, uh, if you do something that is willfully wrong, uh, what do you mean, you do do you mean, do you fun- mean outlook? Uh, the way you look at EMS in oh, general, okay. you know, you're not you just, yep. you're just not a good fit for our profession. Uh, and, and I know it's arrogant as hell for me to, to to presume what I know is and is not a good fit for our profession. Uh, but when something goes so far across the line that uh, it's obvious that someone, uh meant to do harm or meant to punish a patient or or did something that was willfully negligent or criminal, uh that gets reported and there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And no, I won't work with you again. Get this person off my truck right now. No. And I'm lucky that I have the the seniority uh in my agency. I could probably make that stick and call a supervisor and say, uh yeah, I'm not working another hour. This person come come find somebody to get on the truck because uh, they're to going do that? home once once and only once and and that person was uh, a a bad apple that that they had known about for some time but but uh had had just put off biting the bullet and and she wound up uh she wound up shooting herself in the foot and, and made it easy for him yeah. but no I've i've never really had to to do, that. I've had patients or I've had partners that I've said, nah, I'm not going to work with that person again. Uh, don't schedule them on my truck uh, or I'm not going to pick up an extra shift if I know they're working. If the supervisor says, hey, can you cover such and such a shift? <laughs> well, it depends. Who's the other person on the truck? Oh, no, no, I can't cover that, as a matter of fact. Uh, and don't ever ask me again if, if they're on that truck. But, yeah, I think that that sort of thing, when it's willful and it's wanton, it's just like they say in, in just culture you know, just culture is not, uh, you get away with everything you get a talking to and a, and a slap on the wrist. There are some things in just culture that will get you fired post, uh, post haste. Uh, and, and that's the same thing. I, I'm not going to get a supervisor involved in, unless it's one of those things, or if me talking to my partner and trying to work it out between us, uh, fails, then I'll, I'll escalate it up the chain. But, um, You know, and the other thing, the other thing that that is just glaring there, aside from the apathy and the the lack of assessment and absolutely no care whatsoever, who in the hell in 2023 puts a patient face down on the stretcher? That was was interesting
0: too, man. I I didn't understand that from the standpoint of... um, you know
1: what
0: what was that you know what was that about but when we think about that even from that standpoint is you put somebody face down i mean he he wrenched him he wrenched him down there as well but i didn't understand that as 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 you know why and it seemed like that was punishment to me you know what i mean it seemed but again that's just my opinion but and and a lot of people are making this comment on uh, on the facebook threads and so on and so forth That uh, who puts people face down, but
1: you know that's a really great point, and I think that 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 was that had to somebody that has been pencil whipping their continuing education for twenty plus years, or someone who does not care, and that does not care part fits the the definition of first degree murder in the statute. But here is the thing that I want to touch on as well: is they
0: put him face down, they you know wrenched him down uh, with the straps, but obviously. Nobody checked on him the ride to the, to the hospital.
1: Yeah. Where's I don't know the vit- what transpired, but I, I wonder if, if he wasn't dead and they didn't know it when they got there,
0: where's the vital signs, you know, we got to take vital signs what every 10 minutes on a, on a medical call or whatever that works out to virtual be. vitals. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of one twenty over eighties going on here and, uh, you know, 80 pulse and, uh, 16 respiration. Yeah. <laughs> uh. 20 respiration, I'm sorry. But, you know, one of the things that we have to start to think about, too, is it, it's not the fact of how they treated him in the house or what they did when he got onto the stretcher, but there was no care given. And I guarantee None. there's going to be vital signs that were taken on the trip to the to the hospital, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this was a, a person that seemed to be out of it, uh, shouldn't have been put face down. Never should your patient be put
1: face down unless
0: they've got something protruding from their okay. back and you or
1: have- or there there have been other you know there, there are a few exceptions but for you know for general purposes you're right never put your patient face down but maybe some respiratory problems where proning the patient might be beneficial or where the patient has severe facial trauma and and potential airway compromise but the key there is they're constantly vigilantly assessing their patient and they didn't do that at all in this case
0: no i have to agree with you 100 but this is one we're going to follow close kelly right and yeah. we're going to uh see how it's going to play out but what i what i want to give to my peers out there in the united states is you have to be able to take care of yourself right and hopefully you've got good leadership and hopefully you've yeah. got good vision and hopefully you work for an organization who respects you now the realization is there's a lot of organizations out there that don't fit that bill, right? But what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to believe in who you are. You took this job. What, what, what's your story that got an EMS? Kelly, I always wanted to write a book. What, How you got an EMS, because it was always that story that got you there. And whether it was you were the patient or whether it was you saw somebody, what? Well,
1: we all got our story about how we got here. Well, for, for me, Barber College was too long, and all the good snap-on tools routes were already taken. So. Oh, so you can really, it's uh,
0: good. <laughs> I mean, that's good to know. But um, we've got to be able to set our own movement forward in our profession. Set the own mo- our own movement forward, right? And we've got to be able to respect ourselves enough that we're going to do the best job that we can in light of whatever's going on around us. Because we don't know the one call that's going to cause us to be on the national news. And, um, you know, that's something that we've got to really pay attention to. And we've got to be able to define our own professionalism. We've got to be able to develop our own reputation. Because, yeah, I'm 57 years old, Kelly, and i got a couple more years, three more years and uh, it's probably it for me that i'm going to semi retire to florida on a 70 foot boat in the middle of the caribbean and maybe you'll see me every 6 weeks and but for the people who are out there now i mean you know who are 20 20 years old 25 years old 40 years is a long time to work your yeah. plan and you're going to have to carry that professional reputation with you everywhere you go and we've got to remember that uh the work that we do is important but the work The the care that we give isn't worth defining our relationship with our reputation for the rest of our life. And I fear that people don't understand that, man.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, you've said it on this podcast many times, and, and I don't think it can be said any better than this. No one else has the ability to determine your attitude but you you control that. You may work in a crappy environment, you may work with with people you don't like or respect or people that don't like or respect you, but you determine how you approach your your job, your life, your patience. Um sometimes that is hard to remember when you're in a bad mood and and the burnout is is creeping up and and the the red ass has turned to the pink leg, it spread so far, uh, but you still have the ability to do that. Now me, uh, I, I succumb to that occasionally. Uh and I rely on people that I trust and care for me uh that to remind me. Um uh you know the better angels of my better angels of my nature to uh to remind me of that. So you know uh um I think uh, all of our listeners should should understand that that no matter how bad it gets uh, no matter how, how many dialysis runs and so-called bs calls you run that shift uh you still have the ability to de- uh, to determine your attitude uh but hey that's what we think we'd like to hear what you think give us your sh- your thoughts at the show at ems1.com don't forget to rate us on itunes don't forget to go buy kindred and write a review on amazon shameless plug uh but for, my, for myself and co-host chris for myself and co-host chris Valero, this dude Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.